You might not know this, but novels are not written in chapters. They're written in scenes. In fact, scenes are the star of your novel, which is why you really need to understand what a scene is, how to know if an event in your novel needs to be a scene, and how to write a scene that draws readers in and makes them want to keep reading. Hello, and welcome to the Mini Worlds Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Davis. I'm a book coach, a developmental editor, and a fellow storyteller. And this is the show that's all about how to brainstorm, write, edit, publish, and sell a powerful speculative fiction novel, and maybe just change the world too. A few weeks ago, an epic storyteller on my email list, I'm gonna call her Isabella. Isabella emailed me with a problem she was having around scenes. She said, and I quote, I have problems with too much telling. I need help writing in scene. As someone who spent more than 15 years in the classroom, I know this to be true. If someone raises their hand to ask a question, it probably means that at least 50% of everybody else out there has the exact same question. And that got me thinking about scenes and about what you really need to know as a writer about how to craft a scene so that readers want to keep reading. Which led me to the understanding that this episode about scenes actually has to be two episodes. The first episode this week is going to be all about what a scene is, the key components of a great scene, and figuring out if the event in your novel actually needs to be a scene or if it needs to just be narrative summary. Next week's episode, I'm going to take you through a scene that I wrote. So it had started out as narrative summary, and then I figured out that I needed to transform it into a scene, so I did that. And I'm going to take you through how I did that and the thought process that I went through to figure out that I needed to do it. So if that sounds like something that would be interesting to you and would help you on your journey, hold on, sit tight. We are going to talk a lot about scenes and how to write a great one. In order to have a productive conversation about scenes, it's really important that we take a step back and we actually talk about the three fundamental units of a novel. Those three are scenes, segues, and narrative summaries. So the thing I love about these three units of story is they're kind of like Lego bricks. I can mix and match them to build something bigger and beautiful. So what I mean by that is they can kind of come in any order. Maybe the most traditional order would be scene, segue, summary. But I could say scene, segue, scene. I could go scene, scene. (laughs) I could kind of just do whatever I want here but they do have very different purposes and they are needed in different parts of the story. So let's start with narrative summary. Narrative summary is what I like to think of as a as exposition. It's condensing time and it's showing us events that might be important to the overall logic of what's happening in the story, but none of the individual events that are being summarized are actually important enough that we need to zoom in on them and experience them moment by moment. It's okay that we just get sort of a higher level global view of them. And that's exactly what narrative summary does. So I like to think of narrative summary if if the writer 
happens to be a video camera. I like to think of that as the video camera going way up high above the story. And you get that global view. You're not right there in it. You're seeing it at a more global level. Okay, that brings us to a segue. A segue is usually very, very short. It's like a sentence, sometimes a half of a sentence, uh, where we simply move time or jump locations. And the writer is telling us that. So a segue might be something simple like later that day when Alexis got home. So we've suddenly switched to later that day. Or it might be something like the summer passed quietly. Well, we passed a whole summer. So a segue is really indicating that we're changing time and typically location and that something important um, is happening. Something important is coming. There's a new important scene ahead of that. So very often, segues will come at the end of scenes, and then they can feed into a narrative summary that summarizes what happened during that summer or what happened during that day, if it's important at all, uh, and then it will roll back into a scene. Okay, it is now time to talk about the star of your novel, the scene. Scenes are a unit of story where the action happens moment by moment. It's where time is expanded and you take that camera and you zoom it right in on your protagonist and you are with them as an event unfolds. It's pretty easy to recognize a scene mostly because you'll find action and dialogue happening. But the real thing here about a scene is that scenes are about when things change, when the status quo is upended and something new takes place. And typically, that's why we're there, because there's some sort of a pivotal moment that we as the reader need to see and your protagonist as the driving force of your novel needs to experience. So how long is a scene? And how many scenes are in an average novel? Good questions. Typically scenes range from 500 to 3,500 words, but you'll see a lot of flexibility there. I've read scenes that are literally a single sentence long, while others have gone for many, many thousands of words. So really a scene can be as long or as short as you need it to be to serve your novel. And as far as how many scenes can fit into a novel, if your novel is the average length of somewhere between 80,000 and 100,000 total words, then you're probably going to be able to fit 60 to 80 scenes in there, depending on the length of your scenes. But there's one thing that you really need to remember is that scenes are not chapters, or at least they're not necessarily chapters. Sometimes writers will make every chapter one scene while other writers will put multiple scenes in a single chapter. And in fact, that's what we see most often, that if you start looking at chapters, they're really multiple scenes all wrapped up together. And chapter breaks are really stylistic choices that will help with like pacing and suspense and tension and all of that good stuff. Okay, so how do you know if an event in your novel actually needs to be a scene or not? That is a great question. It's such an important question, in fact, that you need to ask it every single time you write a scene. The thing to understand here is that scenes are mini stories, all in their own right. 
Okay, they are a mini story and they connect the plot level events in sort of a cause and effect trajectory so that we understand the plot level events, right? But more than that and deeper than that, they are tied to uh, a changing belief in your protagonist. So here, in order to understand that, you need to understand what a novel really is. A novel is really about your plot systematically taking a protagonist who has a misbelief, a misbelief being something that they believe about themselves or about the world that is not true and is holding them back. And your plot is going to take them from that misbelief to a new belief, a new belief that serves them and allows them to break through and understand something about themselves or about the world that they need to understand. So your protagonist has to change from misbelief to new belief throughout your novel. And scenes are where this happens, one tiny step at a time. We want that change in the protagonist to feel real and authentic and believable to the reader. So we have to show it happening one little tiny step at a time all the way through the novel. So you need to keep that in mind as you're thinking about, does this event need to be a scene? Whenever I decide whether an event needs to be a scene in a novel, I always ask myself three important questions. The first question is, does it move the plot along in some meaningful way? Meaning, does it move the plot, not just does it move the character from point A to point B, or does it move time, but does it allow the reader to see the protagonist experience something that they really need to see firsthand in order to fully understand and uh, make use of that information as they're moving through the novel. Number two, I ask myself, does the event show some deeper change in the protagonist? Does it allow us to see the beginnings of those incremental changes. Remember, we're going from misbelief to new belief, and throughout your story, your protagonist has to make that change. So when I'm thinking about story, it might be that a scene, you know, an event that I'm determining whether it needs to be a scene or not, it could be that that event moves the plot along and there is some character movement, that deep character arc movement as well. Or it could be that it doesn't necessarily move the plot along at all. Maybe the plot is kind of stagnant at the moment, but it allows the protagonist to um, to think about an event that just happened, to come to some sort of a decision, to make some kind of an internal shift. So even if it's not moving the external plot along, if it's moving the internal plot along, it might still belong in the novel. That just gives the reader a moment to breathe and the protagonist a little bit of time to process your plot. So those scenes can be very, very important too. All right, the third question I ask myself, and this is really the most pivotal of all of my questions, the most important question is, does it show change? Does this scene show some sort of a shift? Is there a physical shift in the plot? Like, you know, a physical thing that's happening. Is there an internal shift, an emotional shift? For instance, if I happen to be writing about um, a husband and wife at dinner, and they were had 
they were having a great time and everything went really well. And then they went home and they snuggled up in bed and everything was just hunky-dory. That that might not be a very interesting scene. I probably don't need that scene. I could probably include that if necessary in narrative summary. However, if that scene where they're at dinner, the husband runs into his secretary and there's some awkwardness there and suddenly there's a shift in the wife's beliefs. She went from believing that she had a sturdy and happy marriage to maybe suspecting her husband of cheating on her. That's a shift that I would need to see in scene. So I'm always thinking about those things. Does it move the plot? Does the external story? Does it move the character arc? That's the internal story. And is there a shift? Is there a change? Even if it's a subtle one that is taking place in the scene that the reader needs to see to feel and to fully experience. Once you decide that an event in your novel really does need to be a scene, then there are some high level structural things that you need to think about as far as scenes go. So scenes do have structure and it's important to know the parts of a scene so that you can get really good at recognizing them in the novels that you read and you can also get really good at sort of intuitively writing them. Now, I do not want to suggest that I think you should outline your scenes and make sure that every part of it's been ticked off. Um, What I have noticed is that when students try to do that, the authenticity of the scene goes away and it feels stilted. No matter how much of a master storyteller they are, it doesn't work. Scene, I believe, is very intuitive and we have to have an idea really of maybe only one or two of these parts before we start writing the scene. And then we can just let it unfold and we can sort of edit it into perfection. So do not outline your scenes. It will not make them better. Okay. The other thing I want to tell you is that I'm going to tell you the parts of what I call a complete scene. And For better or worse, a lot of scenes that we read in novels are incomplete scenes. That means one or more of these big structural parts are missing. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that there's anything wrong with the scenes that you're reading in novels. They're great. But for some reason, uh, a stylistic choice, uh, you know, a narrative choice, the author has chosen to not have all of the parts and that's perfectly fine but it's kind of like one of those things where you have to know the rules to break them so not every scene will be a complete scene Uh, some will be incomplete scenes so as you're reading other novels and you're finding bits and pieces of these but not the full set that i'm saying here don't be worried you're not losing your mind it's okay Uh, you do know what you're talking about. You did understand what I was saying here. It's just that that part probably isn't in the scene you're reading, which means, of course, that everything you write won't be a complete scene, and that's okay too. There are several parts to a complete scene. Let's start at the beginning. Complete scenes have a strong hook. We call this bleeding in the first line. It means writing something that creates a question in the mind of the reader that they want to have answered. It means raising tension and raising suspense and maybe creating some kind of an information gap that the reader really wants to have filled in. So we need to write a strong hook. 
We need to bleed in the first line of every single scene in order to make sure that a scene starts really powerfully. Today, I'm just going to take the opening scenes of a couple of novels and read you those lines, but understand it's the same for every scene. All right, so let's start with one of my favorite novels, Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klune. The first scene begins like this. Patricia was crying. That's pretty powerful, right? Immediately, all kinds of questions have come up in my mind. Who is Patricia? Why is she crying? Who made her cry? What's going to happen next? So I'm going to read that chapter and all of the chapters that come after it. I'm going to read that scene and all of the scenes that come after it because I want to know the answer to the question that was raised by that first line. All right, let's go on to the second one. Another author that I love equally, which is Suzanne Collins, and it's a ballad of songbirds and snakes. And the opening scene begins like this. Coralianus released the fistful of cabbage into the pot of boiling water and swore that one day it would never pass his lips again. Again, it raises questions. Okay, I mean, he's just eating cabbage, right? But it, it begs a bigger question. Why is he eating cabbage? That kind of makes us think maybe he doesn't have a lot of money. Why doesn't he have a lot of money? Why does he never want cabbage to pass his lips again? And what's going to happen because of that deep desire that he has? As it turns out, a lot. His entire downfall is because he doesn't ever want to eat cabbage again. I mean, not specifically cabbage, but he doesn't want to be poor. He doesn't want to be a nobody forever. Okay, let's go on to the third and final one and probably my favorite, which is not a speculative fiction novel, but it's one of my favorite novels and it's Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. This has a doozy of a scene opening. It says, Lydia is dead. Okay, right? That creates all kinds of questions. Who is Lydia? Who killed her? Um, or why is she dead? What's going to happen? How, how are, who's going to find out and how are they going to find out? Right. Immediately. I want to know what happens. And that one question propels the rest of the story. Like answering that one question propels the rest of the story. So bleed in the first line of every scene, uh, especially your first scene, but every single scene of your novel. The second key component of a complete scene is that you need to provide setup information. You need to provide context for everything so that your reader can orient themselves in time and space. So this contextual information, this setup information is going to answer questions like, where are we physically? Where are we temporally? Where are we psychologically? Where are we emotionally? And it may answer one or all of those questions. Really, it's the writer deciding what setup information is most important for the reader to have at the moment. So different novels will handle it in different ways. Let me give you an example again from one of the books that we looked at a minute ago, Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. So just after we have the Lydia is dead statement, which, you know, bleeds in the first line, we get this information, but they didn't know this yet. 1977, May 3rd, 6.30 in the morning. No one knows anything but this innocuous fact. Lydia is late for breakfast. Okay, so that's like, that's a powerful punch, right? Right. 
we get a lot of information and you might say, well, it's just kind of listing the date and time and what's and where they physically are. Yeah. But think of how it's still impacted the reader. As the reader, I'm still like, oh my gosh. So I know it's not set in present day. I know they're at the kitchen table. I I know what the I know that it's summer. There are so many things that I know now. And of course, when you're writing a scene, you don't have to list the exact year or date. You can find other ways to convey what you want to convey about the time and and the space that we're in, but you still do have to convey that information. And you also have to convey information about the uh, psychological and emotional state of your point of view character, right? We kind of have to know what's going on with them. Why are they here? Why do they think, what do they think is going to happen? Sort of all of that stuff. So important contextual information must be given to the reader or the reader will never focus on the part of the scene that you think is most important, which is probably stuff that comes later, right? You have to orient them first. And then once their feet are fully grounded in the scene, then they'll follow you to the interesting stuff. The third key component of a complete scene is to establish the POV character's scene goal. So A scene goal is really important to have. You need your protagonist wanting something and then something comes along to disturb that. The interesting thing here is I've seen a lot of talented writers get really, really confused about what a scene goal should look like. So I have decided to start categorizing them into two broad groups because I think that makes more sense. There are active scene goals and there are passive scene goals. So if you have a point of view character who has an active scene goal, it means they're actually going out and pursuing something. They're taking action to pursue a goal. For instance, if I'm writing about someone who's robbing a bank, well, maybe the scene goal is to go in and point a gun at the person behind the counter to get the money. Their goal is to get the money. They're going to go and they're going to actively pursue that. And it's those kinds of scene goals, active ones, that writers understand. It's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's the other kind, the passive scene goals that give writers a fit. So a passive scene goal is when your protagonist seems not to have a scene goal. It's It means that they are very passive in the scene and then something comes along and kind of won't let them stay passive anymore. Let me explain. In a scene in my novel that I'm in the process of writing right now, there is a scene where the uh, the protagonist, the point of view character, is sitting at the dinner table with his family. And he doesn't seem to be really doing anything. His scene goal is passive. He's sitting at the table and he doesn't want to, his father is kind of a mean guy and he doesn't want to upset his father. So he's just sitting there quietly eating his dinner, trying not to cause any kind of a problem at dinner. This is literally what he does every night at dinner. He tries not to cause a problem. Same with his siblings. So that seems pretty passive. It seems like he doesn't really want anything in the scene not true. He does want something. He wants not to cause a problem. So in this kind of a scene, typically something's going to come along and prevent the point of view character from being able to pursue that passive goal. So obviously in this scene that I have, something's going to prevent my point of view character from being able to sit there and not upset his father. 
The fourth key component of a complete scene is that you need action and dialogue. And I mean sort of the moment by moment action and dialogue. Someone sighs, someone sweeps the floor, someone, you know, whatever. And you need an exchange of dialogue. People are talking. That's actually one of the biggest things that clues readers in to what we think of as the good parts, right? I actually know many, many readers who will skip narrative summary and skip until they see dialogue because that's where our brains get really happy because we know as social animals, right? We know that it's at times when there's dialogue being exchanged that really important stuff can happen, that there can be misunderstandings and arguments and revelations and all of that fun stuff. So be sure in most of your scenes to include dialogue and action. I mean, some scenes won't include dialogue because it might be your point of view character acting all by themselves doing something, but most of your scenes should include dialogue. The fifth component of a complete scene is an inciting incident. And you might not have ever heard this term applied on the scene level. You've only ever heard it maybe applied to the story as a whole. But actually, each complete scene has its own mini inciting incident. And it doesn't have to be anything that's like a big thing. It doesn't have to be like a car chase or an explosion or anything huge. It can be something as small as a snide comment, right? It can be anything. But I do like to think of these inciting incidents as being either scene level inciting incidents or more global inciting incidents. For instance, a scene level inciting incident, if we go back to the example that I give you about uh, my character sitting at the table, trying not to upset his father while they're having dinner, that's his goal. And then the inciting incident is going to come along and it's just going to bam, it's going to knock his world um, off kilter. It's going to upset the status quo. So the inciting incident is going to make it impossible for him to achieve his goal unless he sort of fights back against it. So the inciting incident for that scene is he starts hearing a sound that nobody else can hear. And it's an upsetting, terrible sound. And at first he thinks that everyone hears it and he stands up and he says, you know, does everybody hear that? And when he realizes they don't, he's trying to ignore it and it soon becomes clear he can't ignore it. So again, that inciting incident is coming along to wreck his scene goal. And so there's conflict, right? He wants to do something, but the inciting incident is not allowing him to do that. So it's sort of pushing for change. Now, so that's a scene level inciting incident. However, there are also, there's a possibility that you could have a global inciting incident that maybe happened actually before the start of the scene. If I think about the Hunger Games and there is a scene where Katniss has come into the the center of District 12 and they're getting ready to announce who the tributes will be. Well, the inciting incident was simply that, you know, her goal is to take care of her mother and sister and to sort of go about her day as usual and um, make sure everyone is safe in her family. But that goal that she has has been disrupted by a global inciting incident, which is that today is the day of the reaping. She arrived at the District 12 square uh, and she has to be there. So that's the inciting incident. She has to be there. And then, of course, shenanigans ensue.
The sixth key component of a complete scene is that you need progressive complications, meaning your protagonist is out there pursuing their goal, whether it's active or whether it's passive. But stuff needs to keep getting in the way of them being able to achieve their goal. So anything that's going to keep them from achieving that goal, that's going to push back and make them make it harder for them to achieve that goal, that's what you need to have happen. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be anything huge. Things that are progressive complications that can escalate the situation, it can be an argument. It can be a snide comment. It can be an explosion. It can be anything. So long as it keeps your point of view character from getting that scene goal, that's what we want because that will raise tension and suspense. And it's tension and suspense that keeps the reader reading. The seventh key component of a complete scene is a pivotal moment. The pivotal moment is the single part of a scene that I think you need to know before you actually start writing the scene. Remember when I said, do not plot out the scene. Do not sit there and try and hit every single one of these beats and plan it all out ahead of time because that will make it feel really inauthentic and really stilted. Well, this is the exception. When you're writing a scene, you need to know why we're there. Like what are, what is the reader there to see? Why are, have we zoomed that camera in really close? Why are we going moment by moment? What change is getting ready to happen here? What life altering thing, and it is life altering, even if it's small, it's a change that will happen that will make the protagonist never be able to go back to what was before. So we need to know why we're there. So definitely um, think about that before you write a scene. So we're never ever just in a scene to see what happens. We're in a scene to explore something very specific. Let me give you an example. If I go back to the example of the Hunger Games, when Katniss is in the center of District 12 and Effie Trinket is calling out the tributes, the reason why we're there, the pivotal moment that we are there to see is when Effie Trinket calls Primrose Everdeen's name as tribute. That cracks Katniss's world. That changes everything. That's the moment where Katniss volunteers as tribute. So she does the thing. She was hoping she wouldn't be called as tribute, but now she's volunteering as tribute because she has to protect her sister. So that's why we're there in that scene. So always make sure that before you start writing a scene, you think, why am I here? What does the reader really need to know? What am I building to? What's going to be that high point of tension and suspense? And that high point of tension and suspense doesn't have to be something happening from the outside like this. It could be a revelation. It could be anything. It could be something small and subtle, but it still has to be something that won't allow your protagonist really to go back to who they were before. All right, the eighth key component of a complete scene is that your protagonist needs to make a decision. Again, remember that not all scenes that we see written on the page are complete scenes. For instance, if I'm going to that key scene that we were just talking about in The Hunger Games, where Primrose Everdeen's name is called, Katniss does make a decision, but Suzanne Collins, the author, cuts the scene in half. And so it the scene stops right after Primrose's name is called, and then it 
picks back up in chapter two. So that's a stylistic choice. She wants to leave on a cliffhanger. She wants to propel the reader into chapter two. So the scene finishes there and she does make a choice there. And her choice is that she volunteers as tribute. So that's her decision. That is the big decision that she makes. So once this big pivotal moment has happened, your protagonist should be left with the decision, this or that, and they have to make a choice. I mean, sometimes they, they don't make a choice right away and that's where we might get an incomplete scene. Maybe they make a choice later on, but that is still what we think of as a key component of a complete scene. The ninth key component of a complete scene is that we need an outcome. We need to know what happens because of the decision that the protagonist made. So Katniss Everdeen makes the decision to volunteer as tribute and she's taken on stage and then she's taken back um, away into a room where she can wait to say goodbye to her mom and sister. So that's the outcome. All of that aftermath where the reader finds out what life looks like after this decision has been made. The pivotal moment happens, the decision is made. What does life look like now? For Katniss, things have really changed. And finally, the 10th key component of a complete scene is you need a strong ending. Bleed in the first line, bleed in the last line. And what I mean by that is that you want to leave, again, you want to raise questions, you want to raise suspense and tension, you don't want your scene to just sort of peter out. No, 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 no. You want to raise questions, you want there to be an information gap, you want the reader to say, what is going to happen next? Ugh, right? So you want them to flip to the next part and keep reading. So if I go back to Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng, let's just see how she ends her first scene. So obviously the scene goal for this scene was the mom, Lydia's mom, wanted to find Lydia. That was her scene goal. And the scene ends, she doesn't find Lydia in the house. So it says, morning sun fills the house, creamy as lemon chiffon lighting the insides of cupboards and empty closets and clean bare floors. Marilyn looks down at her hands, empty, too empty, and almost aglow in the sunlight. She lifts the phone and dials her husband's number. So what's happening, Celestine, is showing us this emptiness, this barrenness, this, this need, this longing, right? Marilyn, the mom, can't find her daughter and there are all of these images of emptiness so we start to get that foreboding feeling we already know Lydia's dead and mom doesn't know it but now we're getting these images of emptiness and it ends by saying she's calling her husband so immediately the reader thinks I want to know what she says to the husband what does she say does she come right out and say I'm worried about Lydia does she say hey have you seen Lydia does she downplay it does she upplay it what is going to happen in that conversation so that of course propels the reader into the next chapter into the next scene okay writers if you want to learn even more about scenes go ahead and snag the really helpful workbook I created for you. So first of all, the workbook summarizes everything I've gone over in this podcast. So you don't have to take notes. You don't have to wonder what it was I was talking about. It's all right there. And also I give you some handy questions to ask yourself about whether an event in your novel 
needs to be seen or not. If this episode was helpful to you, please take a moment to follow or subscribe to the show. It would mean the world to me and it is the easiest way to show that you're interested in hearing more. Also, if you have a minute, I would really appreciate it if you would rate the show. Ratings help boost the show's reach and help it find writers that might need it. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and share it with a writer friend? That would be pretty awesome. Until next time, keep writing, keep dreaming, and remember, the world needs your stories right now, so don't you dare give up on your novel or yourself. See you next time.